This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hallo und willkommen zu Gegenpressing, der Bundesliga-Podcast. This is the final show of 2023, so happy holidays, depending on what you celebrate, of course. There's lots of things to celebrate this time of the year, so whatever you do, enjoy the time off. Um, Stefan, as always, joins me for this show, Stefan Bienkowski. Um, we are getting some time off, too. Unbelievable. We are indeed, yes. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday, finish up on Friday. Um, and then I am off to Glasgow for one night and then away up to the Isle of Skye, yeah. which is uh, an island off the western coast of Scotland for about a week. Um, and then back back down to Glasgow for Hogmanay, as we call it in my part <laughs> of the world, to sing Old Lang Syne um, at when the bell strikes 12. Um and the bell has stroked well for already a couple of coaches in the Bundesliga yeah. this week, man. It's been a busy, well, one in particular, actually. Maybe not one, not the other one. Uh, but, uh, yeah, going, going through this list today, I kind of realized actually some clubs have actually started making some big changes. They indeed have. And, I mean, so this is, of course, a little bit of a different rundown that we do usually. The show is available for everyone. It's a bonus show. Um, we're... Uh, basically going through every club and what they have done this season. And yes, you're right. Um, there has been some changes, including today. Poor Stefan Baumgart gone. I think we're going to touch on that, or you're going to touch on it, because Köln is one of the clubs that you are looking at. Um, but a little surprising, I would say. Almost the opposite of the surprise that most people had with Eden Terzic. They wouldn't have been surprised, of course, to find out that he's not going to get sacked if they had listened to yesterday's podcast, Stefan. Hmm. Yes, because that's what you were told and that's what you were reporting. Yep, and uh, today the rest of Germany reported it too. So listen to gegenpressing and you're 24 hours ahead. <laughs> um, anyways, we have lots to talk about today. Uh, I'm going to explain how we're going to do it right after this break. This episode of the gegenpressing podcast is brought to you by Online. The only people that don't get time off this time of the year are pro athletes and us at BetOnline. With NFL, bowl season and NBA in full swing over the holidays, BetOnline isn't taking a second off to make sure you have all the up through the seconds odds, news and info. BetOnline has all the sports wagering info available you need with both desktop and mobile access. Head here today to get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, that is B-L-E-A-V, receive your 50% vocal bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. So yeah, Stefan, the way we are doing this on our last podcast of the year, and as you already pointed out, this is ever going to be available for everyone. We're going to run um, through every club. And I think the way we're going to do it, we're going to start at the bottom, right? I think that's the best way to do it. Um, go bottom to top. And that's so you Bayern fans, because I know how you are, have to listen to the very end. <laughs> um, yes, that's the rules we said because we own this podcast. Sorry. <laughs> um, and I guess that means I'll start, right? Um, so yes, what we're going to do every we're going to talk about every club um, and bottom of the table, Darmstadt. Um. Yeah, I mean, 
I think for them, this was always a bonus season, Stefan. Um, I had the sense that when they got promoted, and this is the second time they've been promoted, this, the last time they were in the Bundesliga, of course, they, they managed um, survival, right, and then got relegated their second season. I don't think that's going to happen this year. So um, one of the pluses that I have for them, um, this is a bonus season for them. So far, they actually have held their own. They haven't gotten smashed every every match day, which is something that a lot of people... I guess expected and another big thing for them is to they are on 10 points um, only 3 points behind safety of course Union Berlin who are on that last non-relegation spot have a game in hand against Bayern Munich we'll have to see how that goes but you know just 3 points um, off uh, a non-relegation spot I think at this part of the season if someone had told him that they would have probably taken this um, so safety still within reach then there's however I had some things that I know that as things that I don't think have gone very well, um, and that is the fact that they lost 8-0 to Bayern Munich. Um, their promising start seems a long time ago. Um, they haven't actually won a Bundesliga game in 10 games. Um, so, you know, that feels like ages, ages, ages ago. And with all that in mind, the way that they have been playing, um, I kind of sense that they can already plan for the second division next year, Stefan. Um, so I actually gave Darmstadt. It's not a failing grade because I don't think expectations uh, weren't any bigger, but it's not exactly a, a great grade for them either. So I gave them a great C um, for where they are at this point of the season. Um, a little bit better than making just making up the numbers in the Bundesliga, but not by much. Hmm. Yeah, so I have Cologne next, obviously, and, you know, very topical right now, who parted ways with Stefan Baumgart today. Um, and, you know, very similar kind of circumstances. The way I've kind of gone through my teams is just kind of like pick one good thing, one bad thing um, <laughs> so far this season. And I guess both of mine, when it comes to Cologne, are Stefan Baumgart in the sense that he was the bad thing and it's a good thing that he's gone, um, which seems very harsh, of course. But, you know, I kind of talked about uh, Cologne on the Monday bulletin uh, we discussed him as well throughout the show uh, that might have been him messaging you right now after hearing what I have to say about him yeah uh, <laughs> um, but um, yeah you know I think obviously Cologne have um, reacted not only to their own results but I think they're probably reacting to the the manner of the Bundesliga table right now obviously they're second bottom or rather joint bottom I guess with Darmstadt yeah. and Mainz but I think they're probably acutely aware of the fact that, you know, Union have done something to change things. Mainz have done something to change things. Augsburg did something to change things and they're now pulling away from the bottom half. Bochum have kind of really turned their form around. Uh, you know, obviously Heidenheim have done tremendously well. So they're probably looking around and thinking there's not much space below us anymore. There's not a lot of kind of give after us. Um, mm. And... You know, I can understand why they've had to move Baumgart on, who, you know, was a character, a fan favourite, uh, wore his emotions on his sleeve, which is something that fans always love. But, you know, perhaps like Urs Fischer, Union Berlin, it perhaps got to a point where you can only do the same thing over and over and over again. And either the players weren't buying into it anymore, or maybe they don't have the squad they once did, or simply the tactics just didn't work. But it felt to me like Baumgart didn't really have... Uh, the answers or solution to get them out of this problem um, so you know if I was a clone fan I'd be very disappointed that he's moved on because he's obviously a mm -hmm. big part of that club but I think there's also some hope in there too that they can bring someone else in much like Augsburg have done really and maybe turn that team around yeah of course they also got hit by that transfer ban right um, mm -hmm. for for two more windows That's that's going to be a really tough task Really tough task, um, but they aren't the only club that has made a change in the head coaching position and not the only club that has made a change to a beloved head coach. And that's my ne next club. It's Mainz, right? Um, they, of course, parted ways with Bo Svensson um, in November. Um, and I think this was something that, you know, both parties kind of agreed on, although I think Mainz would have probably liked to continue. And that's been one of the negatives for me um, with Mainz. Of course, the other thing is too that like Köln and Darmstadt, they're on just 10 points and they are they look like a relegation candidate. Um, you know, that's another negative, of course. Um, and it just feels like 
it just feels like the quality isn't 100% there right now for them. Um, this is a side, of course, that I, I sense. Um, whenever I watch them, I look at them and like, ah, oh, there is potential there. It's just that they can't get it on the field. And I guess that's maybe one of the, the positives that the bad results have overshadowed good games. And then the other really, really big positive has been the play of Jan Grach and Ruda, right? Um, very exciting attacking midfielder. Um, has already been scouted by the likes of Bayern Munich. Um, and, you know, I think that is maybe something that Mainz fans can look forward to for the rest of the season. I kind of sense that a couple of extra pieces of quality there and they could be okay. Uh, simply because of the teams that are below them. Um, but having said that, if a big club comes in for Brahanguda, they will probably lose him. So it's kind of like a really difficult place for them. And I just don't know where they're going to go from here. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're one of the of the teams that sit exactly where they're sitting now in, in the bottom of the table, um, you know, relegation playoffs maybe. And with all that in mind, I gave them a great C. But, you know... Um, the winter break who knows what's going to happen there I've actually just realised I didn't give Cologne a grade so uh, my grade for them right now is F <laughs> um, ouch actually that's yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, I'll probably move on to you know, Berlin now then yeah um, you know they've had such a kind of up and down season um, obviously the kind of joys of reaching the Champions League, Champions League were kind of quickly met with the reality of playing in the Champions League and you know the kind of heartbreak of that you know whether it be that kind of last minute goal against Real Madrid or the still bizarre manner when they lost that first leg against Braga um, it's just felt like misfortune after misfortune but I think Union Berlin fans have probably looked back at it in 5 or 10 years fondly that they got to watch the team against Real Madrid it's a shame that it wasn't in their own stadium uh, in my opinion um, but you know I'm sure they'll still look back at it fondly so that was the kind of positive that I had for them this season um, and then of course the, the negatives obviously just the sheer chaos of their domestic campaign and the kind of nosedive that they had made um, up until maybe a few weeks ago towards the bottom of the table um, they've also brought a new head coach performances haven't been bad recently you know they've obviously picked up they've, they've avoided defeat in the last four games they've only lost one of them um away to Bochum which is no bad thing or no you know no um easy thing no no easy place to win so you know I think they have maybe turned a corner and they can probably be quite hopeful for the second half of the season so um I've given them a D uh, grade so far just because you know they're obviously still failing but there's they're not far away from a passing grade mm. yeah Union is I think Union will be fine Stefan I watched their game uh, midweek I just sense that they're now going to pull out of there uh, pretty quickly especially with no other obligations um, I just kind of sense that things will look up for Union fans in the second half of the season um, that actually gets me to my next club, and that's Bochum. I've been actually impressed by Bochum. You know, um, six points clear of a relegation spot, took points of Dortmund and Leipzig, um, beat Union Berlin, as you just said, at home in a must-win game, and that's that was a huge fixture for them. Um, you know, I think if they had, if someone had to say to them um, at this point of the season, you are six points clear of a relegation spot, they would have taken it. Another thing that I really like about Bochum, and I mean, this is reflective in their in their home form, isn't it? It's a really good atmosphere there. Um, maybe one of the better ones in German football. And so far, um, Bochum have, I feel like they actually have contributed more to, to, to the Bundesliga than a lot of people expected when their back came back up. Of course, this is a club of history, right? They're one of the bigger teams in the world pot. Um, they have that, really strong historical link to Bayern Munich, which actually was one of my negatives, that 7-0 defeat to Bayern Munich, I think left a bad taste in the mouth of a lot of fans, especially after, especially the, considering the fact that they did play really well against Dortmund and Leipzig. So maybe too much of a fan friendship there. But I don't want to take away from what they've done there um, with very little resources, playing good football, um, having made their home stadium a real bastion uh, where they can rely on points. And, you know, with all of that in mind, I actually think Bochum have done really well. 
and I gave them a B plus for this for this first sixteen games of the season. And I wouldn't be surprised if they end the season exactly where they are now. Yeah, but well, it should be absolutely fine, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um I've kind of got similar kind of thoughts towards Bremen. Um when I was writing down one good thing, one bad thing, um, <laughs> both of them were full crook for me. Um simply because, you know, the manner in which they lost him, like what on the last day of the transfer window, um was just sheer chaos and just terrible planning from the club. And I know of course it came down to a last minute bid from Dortmund, but we'd be talking about Nicholas Fulcrook leaving Brendan Brevin for about twelve months up at that to that point. Um and the club could have made so much more of an effort to kind of move him on, bring in a replacement, um, and, you know, prepare to replace him. Um and it just didn't happen. And it's it's kind of felt like Verde Bremen have spent a lot of this season um, you know, trying to recover from that real kind of gut punch um just at the very end of the transfer window. Mm-hmm. But in a sense there's also a kind of degree in which they've recovered from that they've, they've been able to kind of compensate with you know you know obviously Marvin Dukes should still do very well Rafa Bore's done okay um you know Mitchell Weiss is still swinging in crosses and getting assists and I've st- I still have been quite impressed with the manner in which they haven't just completely imploded without their main kind of talisman up front um they're obviously still only six points from relegation so you know, I don't want to give them like, too much credit, but no. you know, if I was a Werder Bremen fan taking stock at this point of the season, I would probably say I'm still really disappointed to be lost full Krug in that manner. But then I'm also really, I'm, I'm kind of begrudgingly proud of the way that we've managed to eventually get past that and not be sitting bottom of the league table right now. So, yeah, I'd probably give them like a C minus right now yeah. um, because I think they're, they're still by no means out of the woods yet but um, yeah there's, there's, there's still plenty of hope I think they probably will have to make some moves in January um, but uh, yeah we'll see what happens two questions for you uh, well one one point one question Marvin Dutch has been uh, a real 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 um, shining light for them and then the question for you are we ever going to see Nabi Keita play for Werder Bremen again <laughs> well you know I was obviously really close to making him my negative for them so far but because he hasn't played, it's not it's not even as if like it's been some sort of opportunity lost or anything for them. So um <laughs> they've just kinda had to get on without him and I guess it's been greeted with a kind of shrug of the shoulders from, you know, Oli Werner and yeah. the rest of the team there yeah. because they never really it's not as if he was a star player last year and um the injuries have kind of limited him of sorts. So yeah, I don't know. He's probably he's on a play pay to play sort of contract, isn't he? So I guess yeah. the accountants that uh the Vasa Stadion aren't exactly freaking out just yet, but yeah, they, they're going to have to be smarter with their January signings, I think. Yeah, totally. Did you give him a grade, or did I miss that? I said C minus. Ah, C minus. Okay, cool. All right. Um, then that brings me to my next club, and that's Gladbach. I really struggled here with finding any positives, and so I just said uh, seven points clear of a relegation spot. Um, I just kind of feel like I don't know what they are under Gerardo Sione. I guess the one slight positive is that they're still in the DFB Pokal and considering the the draw that they have there, they could win that thing and then, uh, of course, that would change everything about their season. Um, but in the Bundesliga, it's just been so... so blah. <laughs> it's, you know, like the, 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 the fact that the biggest highlight maybe of the first half of the season was the fact that they lost in spectacular fashion to Eintracht Frankfurt on the on the final match day before the winter break tells you everything you need to know about this Gladbach side. It just feels like there is a lot of new pieces that have come in. Um, of course, a lot of star players that have left and we're yet to really see what this club is. And I also kind of sense, people ask me, well, what is Gladbach? What do they stand for? And I can't answer that question, Stefan. I just don't think they have a club philosophy even. Um, and that feels like in the 70s and 80s, this was a club that stood for young, attractive football. You could say the same under Lucien Favre in the, in the 2000s, right? With When Marco Reus emerged, Marc-André Ter Stegen and 
you know, the young fools were taking the Bundesliga by storm. And I don't see any of that when it comes to Gladbach. And it's really kind of disappointing because this is a very historical club. Um, it's a club that is really well known abroad because of what it's done in the 70s. Um, when it when you really successfully challenged Bayern Munich, it is it's a club with a big stadium that you know, um, even then you don't really understand what, what that stands for. And so, yeah, I gave them a really disappointing D plus grade. Mm, yeah, it seems fair enough. Um, I guess I've got Augsburg now, um, okay. who contrastly have been much better. Um, obviously changed their head coach after match day seven, uh, Enrico Masson replaced. And, you know, at the time I did write a, a short blog on this and about how the underlying numbers suggested that you know the performances weren't that bad so obviously just to remind people they only had one win uh, and two draws from their first eight games they'd been knocked out of the DFB Pokal by third league uh, uh, third division side and you know I think obviously many people were kind of fearing for the worst for Augsburg or some people like yourself were celebrating it um Hey, I wrote a positive article about Augsburg not that long ago. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Obviously, they then made the decision to bring in Jess Torop, who was the head coach at FC Copenhagen beforehand, uh, as well as a few jobs um, in Belgium. And, you know, and to be perfectly fair, like, he's done a fantastic job since then. You know, um, Enrico Massen's points per game this season was 0.63, and Jess Torop's is 1.44, so... He's more than doubled the points that Augsburg are picking up week after week. And, you know, that's exactly why they're sitting in 11th place, eight points above relegation and looking very, you know, very, very comfortable uh, in a kind of typical Augsburg way. They just seem to kind of get on with it one way or another uh, and avoid relegation. So, you know, a lot of positives there. And I think Augsburg fans were really happy to the extent I actually really struggled to think of a negative thing to bring up about them. And... The only thing I could think of, and this might be quite controversial because of the, you know, the nature of his move to the club and the kind of, and also the kind of cloud of mystery that kind of hung over the move itself. But, you know, seeing Ricardo Pepe kind of slowly but surely get his career back on track in Holland, um, you know, he made the move to PSV for 11 million euros after that really bizarre, what, 17 or 18 million euro move to Augsburg um, a few years ago. I do kind of wonder if Augsburg are maybe watching that now and thinking maybe we should have just given the kid a bit more time. Maybe we should have just maybe we handled it wrong. The transfer, the obviously the the weight of expectations that came with that transfer fee, um, just kind of demanded that Pepe hit the ground running at Augsburg, which was never really fair on the guy. And obviously, now that he's been allowed to fail, it means he's kind of obviously gone off to Holland with no real expectations and is seemingly thriving now. Um. But I do wonder if, if, if in a couple of years we'll look back on that and think Augsburg actually made a huge mistake letting him leave the club as they did. So that's the only real negative I can think of. Yeah, and that's not, you know, um, that's pretty good for for Augsburg. Um, you know, overall, I think a good season for them. Um, I have Wolfsburg next. I, 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 I once again forgot to give them a grade. Ah, I'll, a give grade. Augs- I'll give Augsburg a B. A B. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, it was not getting a B for me, and that's Wolfsburg. Um, <laughs> you know, the positives, I guess, are that they're only five points out of Europe at this point. Um, and considering the way the Bundesliga has gone, I guess there is still a chance that they could end up there. But like I had with Gladbach, I really struggled to to find out what Wolfsburg are trying to be. And this is a club, of course, with significant resources, right? Um, they are fully backed by Volkswagen, um, a multi-billion euro uh, conglomerate, car conglomerate. And for some odd reason, they just don't manage to get that horsepower on the field. Um, and Nico Kovac in general, um, it feels like every time this, like last year, we were, we wonder if he's going to be the next coaching victim. Um, it looks like he's going to survive into the Christmas break, but I really don't know what what they want to be there. And they make some big transfers, and they you know they fail to make the impact that we expect. 
this is a club that has a similar sal- salary budget than budget than Atletico Madrid, and you know they're nowhere near that. And it's just kind of, it feels disappointing, and it feels, I guess, it's a really good reflection of the city of Augsburg itself, uh, Wolfsburg itself, um, that it's just a place in the middle of nowhere in Germany that we associate with cars and nothing else, nothing else, and that's kind of what this club is. It's La, it's what the Germans call eine graue Maus, a grey mouse. And so they get a great C from me. Um, nothing much to talk about. Nothing much positive. Nothing too negative. Just blah. Mm. Yeah, I think that's probably a fair way to put it. Um, considering we've spent the last week or two wondering where Nico Kovac is going to get sacked. Um, but yeah, so I guess my club's obviously um, Heidenheim. Uh, who are certainly not blah. Um, and, you know, season tickets for them, uh, season ticket holders at their club this season have had a great run of it. Um, obviously, recently promoted this season. Um, many kind of wondering whether they'd be able to kind of, you know, survive in the league itself. And they've done exactly that relatively comfortably with a really impressive home form to the extent that my kind of positive and negatives for Heidenheim this season are positives, home form, negatives, away form <laughs> you know it's because um i'm struggling to think of a team who've been this kind of dominant at home and so bad away in the Bundesliga recently i know i guess it's maybe Mainz or maybe the other way around uh, a few seasons ago but you know 16 of the 20 points heidenheim have picked up this season have been at home uh you know they've beaten Werder bremen they've beaten union berlin uh they've beaten stuttgart they've drawn with bochum and then recently they've been darmstadt and freiburg and you know, in that run of game, even just that run of fixtures I mentioned there, they're not just beating other kind of relegation candidates, they're also beating good mid-table sides. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see how things kind of work next in the second half of the season because all those big games that they've lost, you know, I guess, you know, the big teams, obviously, Bayern, Leipzig, um, I guess they drew with Dortmund, so we can ignore that, but uh, uh, Leverkusen, Frankfurt, Wolfsburg, basically the top six sides in the league by budget, they've all played away in the first half of the season and they'll all be at home. So, but obviously, you know, it'd be interesting to see how Heidenheim cope with that because presumably it's going to be a lot harder for them to pick up points at home in the second half of the season because obviously the fixtures uh, mirror one another um, and then they'll have to go away uh, to these kind of mid-table and, and lower league teams so maybe that'll flip and maybe next half the season they'll um, you know have a better away form because they'll be playing these same kind of mid-table lower level teams uh, or the away form will still struggle and they'll also be picking up fewer points at home because they're then playing the bigger teams at home so that's why I've kind of gone for the good and bad for Heidenheim but obviously so far right now uh, you know sitting very comfortable ninth place uh, I've given them an A plus because they're fighting well above rele- expectation there, and yeah, and long may continue for them. Yeah, six six wins away from staying in the league, statistically. Mm. <laughs> you, would, you would think that they can they can do that. Um, yeah, very impressive. Um, my next club is the team that lost to Heidenheim on the final match day of the season at Freiburg. Um, and that is actually one of the few negatives I had about them that that result really hurt because rather than sitting um, sixth in the table uh, on even points with Borussia Dortmund, they are now sitting in eight, uh, three points behind Borussia Dortmund. But now to the many, many positives, um, they are um, in a pack of clubs that include Frankfurt and Hoffenheim as well on 24 points. And, you know, they're striking distance within Europe once again. And speaking of Europe, in Europe, they have qualified for the, the playoffs of the Europa League um, and where they have a really good chance, I think, of going through to the next round and making significant money. Um, they're nowhere near relegation. And we all know Christian Streich, he always points that out. The first goal at Freiburg is always to stay away from relegation. And yes, I think Herr Streich will happily look at the table and say well we are we're punching above the weight again which they do every single year and at one point Stefan we might come to the realization that maybe this is where Freiburg belong and where the club has slowly but surely 
worked its way towards to um, considering the infrastructure that they have, considering the players that they're now able to sign, considering uh, in the metropolitan area that they are in this world that reaches into Switzerland and France, right, um, is quite rich. Maybe this is a club that we just need to start to expect a little bit more um, in the future. So, um, but as it is for now, um, yeah, once again, really impressive what Freiburg are doing. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they finish the season in the top six. I think it's fine if they don't because, you know, it's Freiburg. Um, but yeah, really, really good year once again from Christian Streisman and I gave them a great A. Mm, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, so obviously I've got Hoffenheim next. Uh, yeah, another team are doing really well this season. Um, you know, and the positives kind of speak for themselves. I really had to pick between uh, Maximilian uh, Boyer, who's doing, you know, has been a real kind of... I don't know what you call, I guess, rookie of the season uh, contender um, or, you know, young player who's just kind of broke into the first team. He's doing incredibly well. Potential German number nine uh, for next summer, the Euros. But I end up kind of falling on Pellegrino Matarazzo because, yeah, I've just been really impressed with the manner in which he came in in February, took over a Hoffenheim side that could have really kind of just completely fallen apart. Um you know, obviously Sebastian Honis did a bit surprisingly well with them. Then Andre Breitenreiter didn't do tremendously well with them. Um, but we're now, what, eight months on from that? And, you know, Matarazzo's sitting on a pretty decent points per game average of 1.33, which isn't far off what Honis was averaging at the club. So, you know, it's great for him that he's able to kind of obviously find another club and kind of repeat the magic and prove he's not a one-hit wonder. Uh, in the Bundesliga and similarly Hoffenheim were able to bring another coach in who's more than happy to you know work their magic there um, again because I've done so well I felt like I was kind of nitpicking in terms of negatives but I guess the only real negative I have is that while this squad is doing well it is maybe a little over reliant on some older players you know um, the most obvious one is Andre Kramerich who is just this perennial kind of talisman for Hoffenheim whether it's goals or assists but he's obviously the top goal scorer this year Wout Weghorst is also of a similar age uh, he's he's second in the table I did a piece actually towards the start of the season talking about how instrumental he's been for Hoffenheim these aren't big issues you know I don't really want to kind of hammer home the point but it's just worth bearing in mind if a lot of your key players are the dark side of 30 then um, it might mean the success is kind of short term and we might have to look towards long term ones but obviously as I mentioned they've got an excellent young striker in the midst who can obviously step up if and when ready he's already got 10 goals and assists in 17 games this season so he's doing remarkably well and on the whole I would give Hoffenheim an, an A considering where they are on the table and how well they've done so yeah no complaints from Hoffenheim in my opinion yeah um, so I have Frankfurt next and it's incredible how one match can change um, the full perspective of where a club is, eh? Um, all of a sudden, you go from having have only won one out of six to having won, uh, having won two of the last five, um, including a game against Bayern Munich. Um, you're sixth in the table now, um, based on goal differentials, just one, three points behind Borussia Dortmund. You're sitting on a Conference League spot, right? Uh, depending on how the DFB Pokal ends, that could actually be a Europa League spot. Um, and I think if you had told Eintracht Frankfurt on September 1st when they lost Kolomwani without a replacement in hand ah by the way by by the halfway point or just before the halfway point when you are allowed to sign players again you are going to be in the top 6 in the Bundesliga it's just, just Dino Topmüller and all the decision makers at the club would have happily signed that piece of paper and said we can go from there <laughs> and that's exactly where they are and you know, it's it's really interesting how, because it was really the last five minutes of that game against Gladbach where they turned a situation that's not that great into a situation where they are now sitting pretty. Um, and that's, I guess, the fine passions of how it goes in football sometimes. So, yes, the negatives, of course, are that they sold Kolomuani without a replacement. Um, they have a lack of consistency in the Bundesliga. I didn't like their performances in the, the Conference League either, Stefan, against Pauk and Aberdeen in particular. Um, they went through, of course. They have an extra game there now. Um, I think they will look very different in the second half of the season. 
But the bottom line is still the sixth. And with that in mind, I had to give them a B plus because this is not an easy thing to do considering everything that's going on. And, you know, if they do things right um, in January, they could really hurt the team that's right in front of them. And that's the next club that, that you have. Yes, it is uh, Borussia Dortmund. We're now getting into the really interesting part of the podcast. <laughs> yes. Um, I've got written down here positives, if there are any, are of course the Champions League campaign. Um, you know, Dortmund got out of what was perceived to be the group of death, uh, a group that I thought would hammer them and batter them to within an inch of their life, and they did quite the opposite. Um, and, you know, we've talked a lot about the manner in which that has contrasted so starkly with their home form, sorry, their, their domestic form. Um, but it's definitely worth mentioning just that in itself because we've had so many seasons in which Dortmund have kind of almost passively ensured that they finish second or third in the table and then just do absolutely nothing in the Champions League. It's actually been one of my biggest pet peeves of covering German football in recent years that Dortmund and the Champions League just seems to be an afterthought. Uh, there's no real pressure on them as the second biggest club in Germany to actually really make an effort with it. And to Terzic's credit, he's obviously gone in and said, well, quite literally said, you know, I'm not here to play pretty, I'm here to win games. And I, I can I can commend that to an extent, you know, because um, too many head coaches at Dortmund have just simply played quite passive attacking football and their teams have been played off the park. Um, so... I think Terzic and Dortmund deserve a lot of credit for getting out of that group. Um, unfortunately, that contrasts hugely uh, with the manner in which they've uh, failed to kind of pick up points uh, in the league. And, you know, <laughs> for for positives, I wrote down Champions League, and for negative, I wrote down everything. Uh, <laughs> and it's just, you know, it's obviously just kind of, you know, look, we, we did a whole show on this midweek, so I don't really have to labour the point, but um, there's going to have to be a lot of work done in January. Now that Terzic looks likely to stay put, uh, Dortmund's going to have to do a lot of work to convince fans that they are not um, asleep at the wheel, that they're obviously being proactive to try and improve the squad. Uh, if Terzic isn't a problem, then obviously the players that he has to hand are, and the board have to do something about that. Um they can't just sleepwalk through the January window and say, oh, well, German clubs don't tend to spend money. No, those days are gone. Uh, Bayern are going to spend money in January. Leipzig are going to spend money in January. Frankfurt are going to spend money in January. Uh, if Dortmund have any hope of really getting back into that top four and having any sort of self-respect, they're going to have to spend money. And that's why, you know, I've kind of given them a C- minus for the season as a whole. If it was based on the Champions League or the Bundesliga alone, I think they'd be closer to an F, but obviously the Champions League does pull them up quite considerably. So C- minus hinting that, you know, this could all still go up in flames, but we'll see what happens. Mm. Yeah, the long January and long winter break in Dortmund. Um, sitting ahead of them pretty is RB Leipzig. Six points clear of Dortmund in that Champions League spot. Um, and, you know, the way things are going, I think Dortmund have to now either win the Champions League or pray that the Bundesliga gets that fifth Champions League spot for next year because otherwise they're going to be in big trouble. Because, um, Stefan, I sense this Leipzig side is only going to get better. Um, they navigated a very, very, very difficult transition period quite well. Um, of course, there were some some inconsistencies that you can expect from shipping out four four key players, right, and bringing in all this young and exciting talent. Um, you know, some results haven't been as good as, or some sometimes there was results that were a little bit uh, disappointing, including this draw on this match day. But, um, you know, I think if someone had told them, hey, you're sitting six points clear after match day 16 in his Champions League spot, they would have happily taken it. And I also think that their 33 points at this point of the season are actually quite remarkable, um, you know, and they would probably be better in the standings if there weren't three clubs ahead of them on a remarkable points run. Um, you know, we added, whether it's Leverkusen, Bayern or Stuttgart, all those three clubs, Stuttgart now have more points um, than they had um, during the last two times that they won a title um, at this point of the season, 
which tells you everything or on the pace of the top three that the top three has been setting, right? Um, so them only being one point off that pace behind Stuttgart, I think, is is something that is really quite remarkable. Um, you know, and then of course I also noted that the fact that they easily qualified out of the Champions League group. Um, they now have Real Madrid, which seems daunting, but not really. They played them last year and they played against them really well. They won their home match. So, you know, why wouldn't they advance from that? It wasn't exactly like Real Madrid did extremely well against Union Berlin in the, their two matches, right? Those two games were really tight and Leipzig are a lot better. So, you know, a lot of positives here. The minuses I had out of the cup, that will hurt them. Um, I don't like this whole Timo Werner situation. I think that is something that could potentially blow up to up in their faces if there's no resolution and they might have to find a resolution in the second half of the season. And then, of course, that consistency is something that they will have to work on. But I give them a B plus. Mm, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, obviously, my next club is Stuttgart, who, again, very few negatives to talk about. Their grade is obviously A plus right now. Um, and the, the, the for positive, you know, there's so many you could give, but I think the main one is just Sebastian Honus. You know, the way that he's came in and kind of galvanized his club. We always knew that Stuttgart had a squad capable of pulling itself out of the kind of relegation battles that it's kind of found itself in from season one season to the next. And you know, Honus wasted no time in doing that. We obviously saw it in the playoffs at the end of last season. They put a lot of work in over the summer, and they're now reaping the benefits of that. They've obviously made some signings, but by and large, it's just a case of really just getting the best out of the squad that he inherited. And I think it's just a perfect showcase for how impressive and how exciting a young coach Honez is. He's probably the most impressive German head coach uh, right now, in terms of young German head coach, that is. Um, which is something we haven't said in a long time, to be perfectly honest with you, because that kind of generation came after the likes of Tuchel and Klopp and Nagelsmann hasn't exactly uh, been able to live up to the previous one but Hones is perhaps the one who stands out as a potential successor to those guys um, and as long as they've got him then you know I'd really bank, I'd always bank on Stuttgart to do well whether they can stay in the top four between now and then next May remains to be seen um, and that brings me on to my negative and the only thing I could really think of is of course the Cerro Gurassi release clause, uh, which has probably had more airtime on this podcast than just about any release clause, uh, at least going back to maybe the you know Erling Haaland days or something where everyone was talking about it day after day. But uh, yeah, that's obviously something that will likely overshadow Stuttgart in January. They'll be waiting by the phone to see who's willing to kind of pull the trigger on that one. But I do think... In the handful of games they've not had them this season, uh, they've done reasonably well. Or Honus has suggested that you know they're not a one-man team, and I think that's a fair point. So, A plus for Stuttgart so far, um, and uh, yeah, we'll just have to see what happens in January. Yeah, I mean, I also have Dennis Undaf who scored an unbelievable goal again yesterday. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think they will be just fine. Um, all right, speaking of strikers. Um, Bayern Munich and that's my big 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 plus for them as Harry Kane what a signing I mean he has been worth every single cent he has been unbelievable um, I had the honor this year to vote for the the Guardian top 100 um, and um, obviously without giving anything away I voted him very highly up I think he's one of the best players on the planet at the moment he's been He's been carrying this Bayern Munich team, including on this match day, right, where they once again, I don't think, were that impressive against Wolfsburg. Um, and he scored, what turned out to be the winner. Um, he's just been not just only impactful in terms of goal scoring, but he makes all the players around him better. First and foremost, Leroy Sané, right, um, who's looked like a different player since Harry Kane has arrived. And I think the Bayern bosses can rightfully pat themselves on the shoulders and said, yeah, everything done right here. Um, we, we went in, we signed a striker, we signed a number nine. We didn't sign any number nine. We signed the best number nine available, not named Erling Haaland. And we made this club better. Um, and I think that is really a big positive for them. They have averaged 2.53 points per game in the Bundesliga. They had a perfect Champions League campaign. Um, I think the... 
only negatives here are really the fact that it's not enough because Leverkusen are, and you're going to talk about them in a moment, are on this incredible pace for 90 points at the moment. Um, and of course, even Bayern Munich cannot keep up with that. Right now, it feels like that every point Bayern Munich drop um, will be a point to many, simply because of the pace that's being set at the top of the table. And we'll have to, of course, see if that's going to last for all of the clubs involved. But yeah, I think that's been the one of the negatives and another negative is of course I don't think they've done enough in the transfer window uh, on that September 1st was a really really dark spot for the club the deadline day disaster um, is something that was not befitting for a club of Bayern Munich's uh, statue in European football um, I think it's made them a little bit of a laughing stock and I think you know they, they, they've drawn the right conclusions from that I think it's going to be a really, really fascinating January window. I think Christoph Freund is the right person for the job. I think he is going to uh, make decisions that are not going to be obvious for most of us, um, but will make a lot of, lot of sense in the long term. And I also think that he's maybe going to force uh, Thomas Tuchel to work with young players, even begrudgingly. Um, and I think that is going to be something that's going to benefit the club in the long term. But yeah, that the transfer window was one of the negatives and I gave them a B plus because if you buy a Munich good is the enemy of great they've been good but not great and they have to be great because they buy Munich yeah I think that's probably a fair uh, score um, and I guess I've got a final club don't I yeah um, Bayer Leverkusen who go into the table into the winter top of the table Manu you could probably tell us what the German term is for that well, the Herbstmeister, I guess. There we go, yep. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I I really don't know what to say about it. But it's 10 out of 10 for Leverkusen so far, you know, in terms... If if if, if I was saying for Dortmund, the, the bad thing was everything uh, when it comes to Leverkusen. For the good thing, I wrote down everything again because uh, they really haven't put a foot wrong uh, so far this season. Uh, you know, I got a chance to go speak to uh, Javi Alonso this season, kind of get a peek behind the curtain at the Bay Arena to see what they're up to there. And, you know, everyone's just walking around with big smiles on their face. Everyone's singing a happy tune. And they've all got a spring in their step. And it feels like they've suddenly but surely kind of found a head coach just clicks with them and everything is working. Um We've been waiting for it to kind of fall apart. We've been waiting for injuries. We've been waiting for form. We've been waiting for Xabi Alonso to step, stand up and say he's he's buggering off to Real Madrid. None of that has happened so far. Um, and yeah, so far it's just 10 out of 10, A-plus for Leverkusen. And honestly, the only negative I can think of is, you know, again, much like Stuttgart, the fact that it was revealed that... Um, Jeremy Frimpong obviously has a release clause in his contract, which is maybe a little lower than one would expect. But again, it's not a big deal. Um, I have my own theories as to why big clubs might actually hold off from trying to make a move for Frimpong in January, uh, which I'm sure we can talk about in January. But uh, for now, Leverkusen fans up and down the country will be putting a big picture of Xabi Alonso at the top of their Christmas tree. Um and yeah, they'll be absolutely delighted, and and all power to them. It's 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 been a great story for German football, um, and in my opinion, I hope it continues. Do you think they put up a monument in front of the the Vex, uh, the the Bay Arena, if Alonso wins the title, if he finally strips Leverkusen of the Vizekosen title? Yeah, yeah, of course. No club in German in, in German history has finished second more times than Leverkusen. Wow, there's yeah, a fact that's... for you. Poor Leverkusen. Poor Leverkusen. Well, not poor Leverkusen. They're doing fine right now. I'm sure there's well, a number of other clubs that would have happily taken their place right now. But yeah, they've got this. They've, yeah. they've got a lot of work to to keep it going. But yeah, they're very happy club right now. I also um, it's really interesting. I talked to a source yesterday. It was I talked to them about something different. But um, Patrick Schick came up, and it was before he scored his hat trick. And this person said to me, Manu. Patrick Schick, when Boniface is gone for the Africa Cup, Leverkusen are going to be just fine because Patrick Sch Alonso is going to fix Patrick Schick and he's going to score 20 goals from here until the end of the season. He's now has three. <laughs> I guess we forget how good Patrick Schick was before he got that injury, right? So, um, yeah, 
I, I, it's, it's incredible the amount of depth that they have. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it means there's play to play for in the next second of the season. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and, uh, yeah, let's just see what happens, I guess. Absolutely. Well, everyone, that's it from us. Final podcast of 2023. Enjoy the holidays. Um, no matter what you celebrate, just eat whatever festive tradition food you eat this time of the year. Eat plenty of it. Put up your legs. Um, enjoy the time off with your family. Um, all the best from us, right, Stefan? Happy holidays. Um, and as always, this show is brought to you by Bet Online. We'll be back, I guess, first week of January some point yeah this 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 put a pin in that and see how we go <laughs> yeah let's we'll see how to the that's for sure let's see how own personal recovery goes from the holiday season um with that in mind stefan happy holidays to you as well merry christmas um enjoy what is it called again the new year thing that you guys do in scotland hogmanay hogmanay happy hogmanay um until next time, auf Wiedersehen. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.